Hi there. We will be covering some sensitive topics today in this episode that may be upsetting to some. We understand that taking care of yourself means skipping this episode. If you or someone you know is experiencing violence in the home, please call 706-324-3850. You're not alone. Welcome, everyone. We are so glad you're here to chat with us. I'm Lauren, and I'm joined by my amazing teammate, Alex. Hey, Alex. Hey, everyone. We're honored to have Lindsay Reese join us today. Lindsay is the Executive Director of Hope Harbor, an organization that provides support to victims of family violence. Thank you for being here today, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. So, Lindsay, to start, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work of Hope Harbor? Yes, um, I'm Lindsay Reese. I'm the executive director of Hope Harbor. I've been here 17 years, so um, a long time, a very long time. Um, we are the domestic violence shelter and program that is the only local program that is in our area. We serve seven counties, so we serve six counties in Georgia, Harris, Taylor, Talbot, Chattahoochee, Marion, Muskogee, and then we also serve Russell County. Um, we are one of the largest shelters in the state of Georgia. We have 43 beds, and we are the only st- only DV shelter that serves two states. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, and our program consists of different parts of our program. We have a shelter program. Um, those are victims that are immediately fleeing a the violent home. We have an outreach program that serves victims who are in a safe home but still need support. It also provides education and awareness in the community. And then we have our legal advocates who provide uh, protective orders and a court accompaniment. So they work with them in the courts and work directly with the judges. Oh, wow. Okay. Thank you, Lindsay, for the introduction. Um, I think to start us off here, could you tell us a little bit about who can be an abuser? Is there um, a specific type of person? Can it vary? And what are the warning signs of an abuser? Um, and anyone can be an abuser. There's no typical um, one size fits all for that. They can be... Um, your next door neighbor, they can be uh, law enforcement, they can be your preacher, they can be a teacher, they can be anything, an abuser. Um, there's no there's no description of an exact abuser. Um, when we talk about domestic violence, we talk about power and control. And so what an abuser does is they use every opportunity and every chance and in every way possible to gain that power and control over a victim. Um, And often a victim doesn't even realize it's happening until it becomes physical. So when people talk about domestic violence, they automatically think um, the black eye or, you know, the pulled hair. I mean, like you see some of that stuff like I see in the movies. Um, Domestic violence often starts out with emotional abuse. So it is um, the name calling, that stream jealousy. Um, They isolate you from friends and family. things that are happening before you even know that it happens. And and they all do it in the name of love. I love you so much. Why do you have to go over there and have lunch? I love you so much. Why, you know, why didn't you do this? It, you know, and then, um, and then it will become physical. Um, there's multiple types of abuse. So it may like each abuser uses different tactics to remain in control and have that power. Yeah. If I were, um, in a part in a partnership where that person said, "Oh, you forgot to pay a bill, so then I'm in charge of the money from now on. And you no longer have have a yes. control of our finances." I mm-hmm. mean, that's abuse, right? That, like, it typically, like that. yes, yes, things like that. But it's more 
when we talk financial abuse, it's not having any access to any money. So you're not allowed to oh, pay sure. any parents or not even have the opportunity to pay down. Um, victims will be given, uh, you know, $20 and told to go get groceries for the week. You know, you can't get groceries on $20 a week. And then they're in trouble when they don't get it. Sure. Um, or impossible they will, task. Right. Impossible task. And then they will um, also like allow a victim to work or not to work. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, controlling all of that. If a victim has a job, a lot of times the abuser will show up at the job or call the job back to back to back. So that victim ends up losing her job Mm. Um, because when that abuser also has that financial control, it's harder for a victim to leave because if you've got children, you know, to think, how am I going to get diapers? How am I going to get food? How am I going to get rent? Exactly. I have no money. I have no way to work. They'll control the car. Who's allowed to drive the car? They won't have access to the cars. Right. Um, so it's, it's some of those things that happen. And then, you know, some of the victims will even tell you the physical abuse was bad, but not as bad as the constant name calling, the constant being told I'm worthless, the constant control being told what to wear, how to wear your hair, what makeup to put on, what makeup not to put on, uh, who you can talk to, who you can't talk to. Um, you know, in a recent case, I was working with um, some of the attorneys in town, and this abuser would make the girl FaceTime him all night oh, while she was wow. sleeping so oh, that right. he knew that nobody else was there, nobody else was talking to her, nothing else was happening. Right. Um, so it's it's crazy things. And in, in, in our world today, you have technology that even makes it worse. Yeah, it's so much worse. Um, so it, it's it's crazy. And and the victims, if you're told over and over and over again how worthless you are, um, that you're an idiot or whatever other words they choose, after so long you believe it. So yeah. by the time we're working with them, they're like, "Well, I'm just an idiot." We're like, "No, no, I had no choices. Like you've had no choices at all." So um, that's where we come in and we empower them to make decisions and to heal. And, you know, we wrap them in services. Yeah. I'm glad you said that about believing it eventually because I consider myself a a strong person. But I think if I were told over and over and over again, I probably would start to believe it, especially if I was isolated and had no other input that was positive. Right. Um, Yeah. And this person is supposed to love you. They're supposed to love you. I believe that's love. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. And then it's all about power. And how they can keep controlling that power yes and, and to shift that to that abuser not it's not her fault or his fault um for being the victim i think you said that in a previous um interview that i watched that we need to shift that question why instead of why did that person stay it's why is that person feeling so, like they need to control that other person and being a pe- why abuser. are we not holding that abuser accountable thank you it's yes. not i mean like it's it's not the victim's fault and 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 in our community and in our society and everything that we know, our first initial thing is, well, why didn't she just leave? Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. Right. Um, and it's never, why in the world would he do that? Exactly. You know, it, it, that's not the thought process. Um, and, and so it's, you know, there's a lot of victim blaming because even throughout all of the abuse, if dinner had been ready on time, I wouldn't have had to hit you. Right. You it's know, all your if fault. If you had done this right, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Uh, so it is very much, it is very victim blaming and it, it is an abuser kind of take it as their right. Well, she should have had it ready. I mean, it's kind of a very nonchalant 
almost looks like their their property. Does that make Ooh. sense how we're saying that? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's a very hard thing. And when your whole world is wrapped up in that, and you don't know, because it's not always bad. Like, it's not always bad. Right. That's what people right. forget is that there was an intimate relationship there first. Yes. You know, it wasn't, they didn't go on a first date and get punched in the eye and think, man, let's go out again. I really like this guy. It is the wine, the roses, the, the doting on, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. It's all the stuff that as women or as anybody, really, you want to hear it. You want to hear it. You want to feel that love. And then it starts, the other things start creeping in. And then, you know, with the cycle of violence, there's three phases to it. So you have like you're walking on eggshells and then you have the abuse phase, but then you have the honeymoon phase and it's the, maybe I'm so sorry. It won't happen again. I'll get counseling or I'll stop drinking or I won't hang out with those people again. Or you don't, you know, I won't ever hurt you again. Let's go get help. Let's do that. You know, I'm willing to, and then it happens again. So it's also a very hopeful phase for a victim because there's that person that they love. Right. And they've demonstrated in the beginning of that relationship and kind of sprinkled throughout those breadcrumbs of, you know, I, I can love you. I'm capable of being everything yes. you need in a partner. So maybe my partner can go back to that. So maybe there is some hope there. So it's very manipulative. And like you said, Lindsay, it happens over time. It's not, it doesn't start off this way and it escalates. Um, so it's, ve it's very sad that um, when your clients come to you that that they have been completely diminished and they have completely lost that sense of identity. And so, you know, that's why it's so important, the work that you do, that you have those wraparound services. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, it's to watch the, the, the victims that come to us and, and their children, because we serve children too. Um, you know, domestic violence does not discriminate. So you could be old, young, rich, poor, male or female, educated, uneducated. I mean, like, so it doesn't discriminate. Yeah. And so you see the victims come in and, you know, their shoulders are slumped, their head is down, they're very, you know, like it's almost this protective, shameful thing. Um, and after working with them, after working with the children, you see them hold their head up high. And it's something that, you know, as we walk through the shelter, as we talk to these victims, it, you know, our staff is extremely genuine with them. So like if they walk in and your hair looks great, they're gonna be like, your hair looks great today. <laughs> and you'll see these victims turn around and go, mine? Like, it's almost like, I don't even know how to accept a um, compliment like that. That's a genuine, there's nothing attached to it besides your hair looks great. I mean, like right. it's a, a simple gesture like that. And to watch them um, begin that healing process and to get to that point where they are kind of like, I am valuable. I am worth something. It's huge. It right. is huge. So, Lindsay, you touched on that there's no one type of abuser. Um, I imagine the same applies for victims as well. So sometimes we have images in our minds of of what a victim looks like or, you know, that it can only be women or it can only be women and their children. Is that true? And And who are the people that you serve? Well, we we serve all victims. So to to receive our services, you have to be a victim of domestic violence. Um, it doesn't matter if you are, like I said, male or female. If you're identified as me, like we serve you, whoever you are as a victim, that is our purpose. Um, we don't, you know, sometimes like 
for most of our male victims, a lot of times they are in the same sex relationship. Um, yeah. So you'll see a lot of that. Um, but it doesn't discriminate to female same sex relationship or any of that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, to kind of answer your question, there's not one typical victim. Um, will serve, you know, when I think about over 17 years of being here, um, we have served some of the people that have come out of the poorest, most poverty stricken areas of our town or of our community. Well, we've also served, you know, executives um, that are at some of United Way's biggest donors. You know, like you, you see some of the stuff that is, you know, and everything we do is so confidential that I can pass you in a grocery store. And unless you acknowledge me, I'm not acknowledging you like that. That is part of your, your past. And, and, and it is something that, when people think about domestic violence, you picture what you see on the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, when you picture a shelter, you picture what you see on the movies. I mean, like a, like a big bedroom or a big room with all these cots. Ours is a home. Right. You, know, you have your own bedrooms. You have your own space. There's a community. Yes, it's community living, but it's um, it's not what you see on TV. Domestic violence is not what you see on TV. Um, and it's happening like they say one in four women and one in seven men is the, the statistics of who who that occurs with. And only one in four people ever report it. Right. So it is something that is happening so much, so many people. Um, you know, and, and I think of things like the power of the purse luncheon that, that United Way does. Yeah. And that, that room is full of women. And if you said, you know, all right, one in four, everybody has the number one stand up. That would be the amount of people in that room that would actually be victims of domestic violence. And these are people that work in every job and every part of our community. I mean, it's just kind of something that that when you think about it like that, it puts a different picture on it. Absolutely. Oh, that's so powerful, Lindsay, because yes, well, we had 500 ladies at the last event and a quarter of them, probably maybe not in that room, but a quarter of them potentially be victims and you wouldn't know necessarily you would never know and I'm glad you touched on that your shelter looks like a home because I have had the pleasure of being able to tour it and you do such a great job of making it feel comfy and homey and loving and I think that that's really important for someone to walk into that environment and it be not sterile but very comfortable and very loving what a wonderful what a wonderful job you've done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And it's my staff that does it. I do most <laughs> of the background work. <laughs> um, well, you touched on this a little bit, but I think um, that if if we all understood what this means and, and are educated on it, do you think that that would lessen domestic violence from having, happening more often or would it at least help people come forward more? I think it would absolutely help people come forward more. Okay. Um, I think it would be something that, which is a part of, like we were talking about earlier, our outreach program is yeah. we want to educate as many people that will listen to us talk about domestic violence as we can. So when that friend of yours shows up and says, this is what's happening, yeah. you know how to respond to it and you know how to, you know, love them through it. Not say, why don't you just leave? I mean, like it's say, right. you know, where you know how to do that. Um, I think, you know, and I've said this before and you may have heard me say this before. We need to honor survivors, mm-hmm. like like we honor breast cancer. I mean, cancer survivors or yes. cancer survivors. You know, like this is a, I did this. We need to honor domestic violence victims that have moved from victim to survivor. 
they have fought for their life and it's a different way to do it but when people talk about domestic violence there's such a shame it's such a humiliation even when you've gone through it and you survived and you're thriving there's still this stigma associated to it it's still the victim's fault right you know and so i think that if there was a way to to honor them and to you know have this almost celebration of survivors kind of thing that it would be huge and it would cause other people to say this has happened to me i've got to get out or these Mm -hmm. are some of the signs i've seen like it's not my fault it's not me it's look at all these people that are you know that have changed their lives that have gotten away from so i mean it's it's a big deal for people to understand imagine yeah so it's but it's never too late to get help so and, and that you're never alone. And Hope Harbor does such a fantastic job in making people feel that way. But Hope Harbor provides safety planning for victims and their families. Is that correct? And yes. so talk about that. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, what a safety plan is, is a lot of times, and, and we do it throughout the entire process. If somebody calls and we're not quite ready to leave, our staff will do a safety plan with them. And it's something as simple as hacking a go bag that's hidden somewhere that's safe. In that go bag, have your spare care pair of keys, have another debit card, have birth certificates, have driver's license, have those things that are destroyed that take time, you know, to get again, that slow down. Those are barriers when you don't have them. You can't rent an apartment without an ID. True. You can't get an ID without social security card. I mean, like, so you have to have, have those things for you and your children. Um, have any medicines you take in this bag, have a change of clothes, mm-hmm. um, any special, and leave it at a trusted person's house um, so that it's not something they can find and that will put you in danger because the most dangerous time for a victim is when they're leaving or left a relationship. That's when victims are killed. Um, but with the safety plan, you go through and you just kind of talk about ways to stay safe. I mean, and it's as simple as um, you know, if I'm really close or my sister's down the road and I text you a unicorn emoji, you know something's happening at my house and you need to call 911 because I will never text you that without something happening. Right. Okay. Uh, having that or having a code word or having something that the people that you do trust that are still in your life that, you know, are, are like, you know, part of all of this that can help you. Um, and, or it's like, I have a plan at work. This is what this is at work. Or I have a plan at school for my children. This is what it, I mean. So you have those steps in place. When they come into the shelter, that changes because they've left this environment. So yeah. now we've got to go to a different safety plan. So it's kind of like, okay, what do you do now that you're here? How do we pick your kids up from school? What is safe for that? How will we know, you know, where will he look for you? What will we do? What kind of things do we need to put in place? And then it changes again when they get a new home or when they yeah. get a job. So we have to do that each time. And it's something they keep with them. So it's it's even like they know certain things, but they can go back and look at it and be like, okay, I know that leaving work today, this is a different thing. I need to go a different route. He knows which route I always go. And it's, it, it is literally a safety plan. I mean, wow. it is it is something. And people don't think about that. People don't think, you know, when... If you were to have to leave your house right this minute, what right. do you have together? Nothing. I mean, like, exactly. you could grab your purse. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, and imagine fleeing for your life, you know, because we've had victims come, you know, that their shirts ripped down their, you know, where they're literally standing there with holding their shirt together and with no shoes on, no yeah. pants on, no, because they have literally ran out of their house. Okay, so it is something that we try to put 
um, while leaving is never easy, but we try to make those things as easy as possible. We, we yeah. want to do the thinking for you, if that makes right. sense. Right. To make them feel as safe as possible. As possible. Yes. Right. Okay. What they're doing is surviving. They, yeah. They're surviving. They know what they need to do, how they need to do it, when they need to do it to prevent that future violence. Yeah. And so they are, they are really, it's for them ever to even call us is the bravest thing that he's interested. That's amazing. Orders. Yes. Basically tear up. Sorry. <laughs> Same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that is perfect segue to um, my next question about um, our next theme this year for United Way is about hope, that we're united mm-hmm. for hope, and that that must be a big piece of what you all do is providing some hope in oh, yeah. that Absolutely. very difficult time. So would you talk to me about, about that a little bit? Um, for us, that, that is, we want this to be a, like, like I've said, a hopeful part for them. Yeah. We, they've got to heal and they've got to move. Um, they've been through so much trauma and they've done this and to let them know that there is a future for them, that they yeah. can be self-sufficient, that there are relationships without violence, that it's not, that's not what every relationship is. Right. It's having, it is, everything is about hope and empowering them. Everything we do, every conversation we, and we have some hard conversations. I can um, imagine. You know, some very hard conversations, but it is very much a, um, every one of them is hopeful. Every one of them is, we've got to do this so that we can move forward and you can, you know, move into your home or your own apartment or your own place. And, you know, a lot of the victims that we do serve, they've never lived on their own. They've never had that. And that's fearful for them. So we try to Learners. encourage them and, and build up that self-esteem and that confidence that you've got this. You can do this. Yeah. So, so, okay. so the abuse is scary, but also well, living without um, that safety part of whatever he was providing or that person mm-hmm. was providing the the home, the financial support, living without that and being on your own has to be really, really scary as well. So you're fighting two fronts of, of fear. I got an email today from a, a victim that said, I, I escaped, I'm on my own. But she said, I didn't know how hard it was going to be to be on my own. Oh, she, was sure. like, she was like, I've got PTSD. I've got anxiety, I've got depression. I'm scared to answer my phone. I'm scared to open my door. I, need, I mean, like, it's all these things combined in one. Yeah. Um, but she left. She did the hard part. Yeah. Yeah, you know, she's gone. She's safe. But now it's this whole different battle that they're facing. Yeah. This whole different thing. Um that they're learning to be independent and they're learning to, to do these things, um, on their own. Well, what role does United play in all this? How does United Way help you serve these wonderful, brave people? Well, well, United Way, I mean, is is obviously it's one of our largest funders. Um, but part of what I love about United Way is everything we talk about. Anytime you talk to United Way, we talk about partnerships and partner agencies. And that's kind of one of the things you hear. It's truly a partnership. So our women and our victims are successful because of the United Way agency, because we can't do it all. So it's, you know, you refer them to Safe House, who will help them get a social security card. Um, you'll send them to Feeding the Valley or, you know, Second Harvest or whatever, and help them with food. You do the Family Center for Counseling. You do, I mean, like, so it, mm-hmm. the stuff that our women are successful with, Hope Harbors just put those resources in place, and United Way has made them all available to us, if that makes sense. So it's, you know, 
it's kind of amazing to watch the process and how many United Way agencies are touched by our victims and our clients that we serve. You have Boys and Girls Club. You've got um, Girls Inc. I mean, I'm just trying to think of all the stuff that, that we use on a regular basis that is not, you know, one and done kind of thing. Right. This is people that we connect them with that are United Way agencies that help them continue to be successful. So when they transition from us, they may stay in the Boys and Girls Program, or they may stay in Girls Inc., or they, they're going to continue with counseling at the Family Center. They're going to continue, you know, with St. Anne's. And some of it may, like, I just think of all the stuff that United Way does, but they're literally successful because of that. Yeah. So that is, I mean, United Way is huge, not only for what all they do in our community, but just for our, our clients. That's why they're successful. That's amazing. Well, I did want to ask if you identify that there are some of the most vulnerable populations in our community and not that they are um, more prevalent, but that we could identify and maybe support them a little bit more, have a little more compassion for those populations. And I'm thinking trans youth, um, transgender people uh, seem to experience homelessness at a higher rate um, because there's bullying, because they are fearful of what they've experienced in, in society from um, school, their families. We're mm -hmm. just wondering if you find that also and how can we give them more compassion and maybe prevent some of that bullying and, and fear from happening? Well, I, I think education is a key piece to this at all. I mean, like, I think it's just understanding it. Um, but for us, when I say we don't care, we definitely care how you identify and how it is because that's your part of who you are and that's right. important. It doesn't stop your services. So like when we're, when we're dealing with trans youth or we're dealing with transgender, I mean like, you know, we, it changes nothing that happens with us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, if you are a victim or you need our services, you be you and we're going to help you make your, a better version of you. Right. And so it's, it, it's, you see so much of this and, and even starting with the bullying and some of that stuff, it becomes so, um, I don't, I'm trying to think of the right word for this. It's so common that oh. you almost expect that to happen. Like, you know, I'm being bullied as a, as a trans youth. I'm going to be bullied as I move into this. I'll be bullied in my oh. relationship. I'll be bullied yes. into this. And it, it just becomes this common thing where, where nobody deserves that period. Yeah. I mean, so it, it is, you know, understanding, I think as a community in whole, I mean, not every, I mean, you just need to understand it. You need to understand that it, you know, and respect it. And, yes. and it's, that, you know, when I say we don't care, that's the wrong words because we do care, but it's not affecting anything. Right. You're not going to get, not get services because of any of that. There's no, there's no judgment. There's no right. Conditions. Right. Um, I think that's so important to say that. And for anyone else maybe listening who has that fear of, of judgment to know that's not no, that's not a factor. Um, and I hope to anyone listening to this episode who may feel they're, they may be a victim, knowing they have support systems ready Absolutely. through Hope Harbor, through our connected community partners, um, I hope they know that they can make that next step and not only have their immediate needs met, but they have long-term support. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
yeah, that's that's the powerful piece I wanted. I, I was hoping to hear is that um, that our listeners could at least know they're safe if they run to you, Lindsay. Oh. They are safe. They're Absolutely, not alone. They're supported. Um, yeah, and it's confidential. Nobody has to ever know. True. Yeah, it, it is n- nobody's business but yours. I mean, so like if you call us, we're not. Uh, nobody knows who's in our shelter. Nobody yeah. knows who's in our program. Nobody knows what we're helping with. Unless you want them to know that part of it. I mean, it's, um, that is, you know, their business and it's respected. I just wanted to ask, um, Lindsay, are there any times that stand out to you that are, that like just make it worth it, make it all worth it, make you go to work every day? Because this has to be very difficult work that you do and to be around it so often um, has to be emotionally trying are there some moments that you're like, this is why, this is why I do what I do? Uh, I mean, honestly, it almost happens every day. I mean, really? I, and I say that it is, that's what keeps you going. Cause if not part of what we all do is, is we take on everybody else's emotional stuff yeah. because it, it's, you've unloaded it on me and out now, like I'm not, you know, like, and I want you to, that, that is what we do. Um, and so we take it home and people say, leave it at the door. That never, that never happens. I mean, like. <laughs> Domestic violence does not work from eight to five. I mean, like it is, right. it is all the time. Um, but I think like we've got one, we celebrate all the victories. So like, it, and when I say that, um, your abuser has broken your glasses and you haven't had glasses in months and we get you glasses and you're for the first time, you're like, and you're like, yes. we had another one that, um, you know, he punched out all of her front teeth. We got her dentures. I mean, like it was something, and, and, you know, something like that. It's hard to get a job when you don't have front teeth. It's right. hard to do multiple things. And then when we got them, all she did was smile. And this had been a lady that had talked with her hand over her mouth the entire time we'd done it. Yeah. Um, we've got another lady right now that's in one of our rapid rehousing programs. She went in pregnant. She had her baby this week. So we have celebrated wow. that. And, you know, and, and that baby is now coming into a, a safe, loving, happy home. That baby has a better shot than it ever did. I mean, so it's, you know... You have the incredible heartbreak. You have the incredible heartbreak when you look in the paper and you read about somebody that has been shot and killed and you know them and you know their kids and you know their stuff because that's, you know, even though they're abuser because they've talked about, it. you know, like, you know, all of it, but then the small victories are actually really, really big victories. So yeah. it's, it's what keeps us going. Um, and it's, you just see some amazing things. The one that just had. Uh, the baby we talked about has worked up until having a baby. She's saved up this money. She's going to be able to like when her time in our program is over the rapid rehousing program, she's going to be able to support herself and her children. She'll continue in outreach. So I mean, like it's, you see these things um, and the relationships that our staff have with our clients, they're very genuine. So it's, it's, we care. So like we will celebrate graduations when we had a lady that had, four teenage sons that didn't stand a chance, did not stand a chance. You know, when they graduated, we did a graduation party. Sure. Like we, these things, because they deserve it. It is something that when we watch their growth and watch them heal and just watch them change into the people we knew they could be, it's, we celebrate that. So, you know, for every heartbreak, have a, a, a a celebration too. I'm so glad. That is so powerful. You deserve it. Anyone out there listening, you deserve happiness. You deserve safety. Yes. You deserve everything. So um, I think that's so important for 
for folks to know you're not alone. Um, there's a safe and supportive place for you. And um, Lindsay, if there's anyone listening to this episode, if they may feel that they are a victim, what should they do? Call our crisis line. Call our crisis line. And I know it's a number that is that was listed at first, but we'll give it to you again before we're all done. And maybe put it in the little notes that you put yes. with a thing. Absolutely. Um, but it's answered 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So you call when it's safe for you. Um, there's always going to be a, a, an advocate on the other end that is trained that is going to be able to help you where you are and what you're doing. Um, if you can't do that and you can just get through our website, go to our website. Those come to my computer and I answer them all day. Okay. Um, so go in there and send a message. We'll do that. We'll figure it out. If you are working with, um, you know, if law enforcement shows up, they'll get you connected to us. If you go to a doctor's office, they can get you connected to us. You're at the hospital. They'll get you connected to us. So, I mean, like I just um, reach out. There is help. And and that's not love doesn't hurt like that. Love doesn't hurt like that. And that we, you know, we'll we'll help you in any way possible. Well, um, Lindsay, is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to talk about? I don't think so. I mean, I think we've talked about it. I think getting people talking about it and listening yeah. to it is huge. I think that's it. It is a big deal. Um and just knowing that there's help out there. Because a lot of times people are so isolated, they don't realize that there is help. Sure. Alex, anything we missed? I don't think so. Just thank you so much, Lindsay, for the work that you and your team do. It's important. And thank you. Thank you for providing that safe space. Yes. Thank you, thank you Lindsay. Thank you all for doing this. Well, thank you for taking time to chat with us. We really appreciate you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you all for letting me be a part of it. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. To catch an earlier episode or for more information about United Way, visit unitedcv.org. Thanks for listening. We're so glad you're here to chat with us.